Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Charts with Dan. We have a lot to get to this week, including the opening of Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. As a fan of the movie, I was very happy to see that it exceeded its early expectations. But is it enough to make money at the box office. There's so much to dig into, but before we do that, a couple of notes. First of all, if you saw the video that I put out yesterday about Marvel and DC, you'll know that the tornadoes that hit in central Arkansas hit particularly and quite literally close to home. I was actually at my mom's house today to check out a couple of things, and you could literally stand in her driveway and see houses that were completely wiped out by this tornado and it's borderline miraculous that her house was spared without any damage whatsoever but there are thousands of people here in central arkansas who are not that lucky this tornado carved a path of destruction through little rock arkansas into north little rock where i grew up and beyond and it is heartbreaking to see so many places that i've driven through a thousand times completely inaccessible due to damage and debris yesterday i brought up a local resource for donations which is the Arkansas Food Bank. I found another one since then, which is the Arkansas Disaster Relief Program. You can donate through there. That's through the state of Arkansas. That money goes to disaster relief as well. And I'm looking into official fundraising ideas here on the channel. But until then, Arkansas Food Bank, Arkansas Disaster Relief Program. You can find links to both of those down in the description below. And you're going to be hearing about this from me for a while because there is a lot of help that needs to be done. This show is actually going to be pared down a little bit from what we usually do because I've been a little bit preoccupied trying to coordinate some of that stuff this week. One other note that I wanted to make was regarding my partner here on the show, Carbon Health. And unfortunately, this will be the last week of our partnership here on the channel. Not for any kind of bad reason. The relationship is still good, and I still believe in what they do. It's just that over time, things like marketing strategies change, and so you won't see them presenting the show every week. But that doesn't change my belief in what they're doing, which is to help to provide healthcare to as many people as possible, as affordably as possible, and I have enjoyed having Carbon Health as a partner here on the show these past several months. We've already been talking about ways in which we can keep this partnership going in one way or another, but as far as the every week sponsorship, you're not going to see that anymore here on Charts with Dan, but don't get that rumor mill going. It's not for anything bad. It's not because anything went down. It's just because things change over time. But I'm still proud to have that little Carbon Health banner up in the corner this week. You can check out the Carbon Health app for things like virtual care as well as finding Carbon Health locations near you. And I look forward to being a friend of Carbon Health for many years to come. And of course, they will also be a friend of this show. So with those notes out of the way, let's get to the box office this past weekend. And the number one movie was Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, which exceeded its original box office estimates as far as what it was expected to do two or three weeks ago and brought in $37.2 million. That's a little below what Paramount had estimated on Sunday, which you usually don't often see from studios. They don't want to drop that number. So a bit of a weaker Sunday performance than Paramount had anticipated. But still, $37.2 million is higher than a lot of people saw this movie just two or three weeks ago. John Wick Chapter 4 having kind of a surprising drop-off. 61.6% drop-off at $28.3 million, given the fact that it was a well-regarded movie, both critically and with audiences. A 60-plus percent drop was a little bit surprising for me. Although it is a three-hour-long movie, it is rated R, so there are some obstacles with John Wick Chapter 4 that you don't have with the PG-13 movies like Dungeons & Dragons. It could also just be that people are 
are saving their money. They're not going to see it a second time because they want to go see Dungeons and Dragons. So they want to go see Super Mario Brothers opening this week or Air, which also opens this week. But still, I was a little bit surprised to see that 61% drop given how popular John Wick Chapter 4 was. In third place is the religious-themed film His Only Son, which tells the biblical story of Abraham, who was asked to sacrifice his only son. That's where the title of the movie comes from. $5.5 million in third place, just beating out Scream 6 with a 35.9% drop in fourth place and a $5.3 million total. Rounding out the top five is Creed 3 in its fifth week, a 38.9% drop and a total just over $5 million. Falling out of the top five in its third week, Shazam! Fury of the Gods, it dropped just over 50% for a $4.6 million total. Debuting in seventh place, the Sundance Grand Jury Prize winner, 1001 with $1.7 million. The Grand Jury Prize in the dramatic category, the same thing that CODA won, which went on to win Best Picture and so many other prestigious films. 65, starring Adam Driver and some dinosaurs in its fourth week, drops 50.7% for a $1.5 million total. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania hanging on to that top 10 spot at number 9, a 48.7% drop at a $1.2 million total. And at number 10 is Jesus Revolution in its sixth week, a 47.2% drop and a total just north of $1 million. Also, quickly, when we're talking about the top 10, just to sort of nip this talk in the bud, there is a film from India called Dasara, which did very well in the Indian market and apparently also did somewhat well here domestically this past weekend. However, there were no official reported box office numbers for Dasara when I did the show, I held out as long as I possibly could, and I know that many of you always say, you left this movie from India or that movie from India out of your box office report. It's because I don't have official numbers. There are some unofficial numbers out there from different news reports, etc., but I need those official confirmed numbers in order to include them on the chart. So before you even say it, I know that that movie's there. Based on the rough reports that I read, it probably was in the top 10 somewhere, but those numbers were not reported in time for me to do this show. Show. I just wanted to acknowledge that I do know the film came out, just don't have the numbers yet. Dropping out of the top 10, we had a trio of movies. First and foremost, of course, Avatar The Way of Water dropping out after 15 weeks, almost four months in the top 10 and an incredible box office run. Really nothing to complain about with the box office for that film. Cocaine Bear, after five weeks in the top 10, also drops out, as well as Champions, which spent three weeks amongst the top 10 films at the box office. Looking at what I call the road to recovery, which shows you what the box office did this this past weekend versus the average from 2021 and 2022 when theaters reopened and then 2015 to 2019 pre-pandemic. As we have been doing this entire year, we are charting a course right between where we were and where we have been. And when you look at the markers that denote the top performers of those different eras from 2021 to 2022, it's hard to believe we are celebrating the one-year anniversary of Morbin Time because Morbius was the highest performing film of the past couple years, at least in until Dungeons and Dragons this year. And then for the 2015 to 2019 era, the highest performing film, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Can you believe this? It opened seven years ago. 
back in 2016. That's hard to believe. The highest performing film for that era at the box office, and one of the reasons why that blue line is so high up there, above the $150 million range. We should see a big spike in this number this upcoming weekend for the Super Mario Brothers movie, which we're going to talk about in just a little bit. But first, let's talk a little bit about Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. It did put up one of the best opening weekends for 2023, and it'll probably be on this chart for one week before it surrenders to Super Mario Brothers. But it was the fifth best opening of the year behind Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, John Wick Chapter 4, Creed 3, and Scream 6. And really, it kind of rounds out the theme for March, which is that four of these top five opening weekends have been in the month of March. Only Shazam! Fury of the Gods doesn't make this list because it didn't open high enough. So it's been a pretty successful March at the box office as we recover really seeming almost like a summer box office movie season. Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves, of course, is an adaptation of the popular game Dungeons & Dragons. And when you look at the tabletop game adaptation genre, it's a very small genre, Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves is tabletops among those adaptations. Sorry for that pun. $37.2 million bests the previous champion, Battleship, back in 2012 with a $25.5 million opening, followed by Ouija at $19.8 million, Ouija Origin of Evil back in 2016 at just over $14 million. I remember really liking that movie and wondering why it was so good. Come to find out it was directed by a young man named Mike Flanagan, who's now one of the premier names in horror. And at number five, the much maligned original Dungeons & Dragons film, which opened back in December of 2000 with $7.3 million. By the way, if you adjust these numbers for inflation, all of these movies stay the same in the same order, just that race between Honor Among Thieves and Battleship tightening up a little bit. So I didn't do a separate chart for that. Of course, the big question with Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves is not just how well it did this weekend, but how well it needs to do in the upcoming weekends. And it's a bit of a challenge to cover this because on one hand, I am very excited by how this movie did at the box office because it did much better than a lot of people had expected it to do. And a lot of times when you're looking at the box office, it is all about the expectation game. There were some people that thought this movie was going to open to $20, $25 million, and the fact that it opened closer to $40 domestically is a win. However, there's also the question of how well it needs to do to turn a profit in the theatrical window, and that's the key part, in the theatrical window. There's all kinds of ancillary revenue with this movie. There are a lot of product tie-ins. Of course, the direct tie-in with Dungeons & Dragons and any kind of merchandise you're going to sell that's branded with the movie. And something else that I thought was really interesting, uh, and I think I've mentioned it on the show before, but Deadline is doing their most valuable blockbusters uh, recap of last year, and Smile which was another Paramount movie, a very successful one from last year, is one of the movies featured. And it mentioned that they had taken in $80 million or something like that from streaming revenue, but basically that money came from Paramount. But because the money came from a different division of Paramount, then Smile can count that money as income, as revenue, basically, against the cost of the film. Now, I don't think that's quite above board, because really what it is is one division of a company paying a different division of that same company money. So is that really profit? I don't think so, but it goes on the books as revenue for that specific movie. So I'm sure that Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves, in addition to the product tie-ins and all of the other merchandising, is going to bring in some streaming revenue from the streaming part of Paramount when it does stream on Paramount+. But still, 
Let's talk about profitability inside the box office window, basically making money just from box office receipts. That's the golden goose. That's what most movies want. They want to make that money straight from consumer wallets so that all the other stuff is just gravy on top. So I did some rough numbers based on market estimates and what it's made to date to see how much money Dungeons and Dragons would need to make in order to turn a profit just from movie ticket sales. So let's take a look at what we know so far. China, the movie didn't do great in China and pretty much any movie not named Avatar hasn't done great in China since theaters reopened. It brought in about $5.1 million this past weekend and studios only get a 20% share of the box office revenue in China. So that means only about a million dollars of that goes back to Paramount. Internationally, the movie brought in about $64.9 million if you back out that Chinese revenue. Studios get about 40% of that, so that's another $25.9 million going to Paramount. And then the domestic week one share, I'm giving the studios 60%. It could be a little more, it could be a little less, but a 60% share of that $37.2 million opening weekend is about $22.3 million. So when you combine all of that, the income brought in off of the first First weekend of Dungeons and Dragons adds up to about 49.3 million. But here's the catch. Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves was a big swing for the studio, mainly because it was a very large budget. It carried a $150 million reported budget. And then let's tack onto that another $100 million for advertising and getting people in to see those theaters and all of those different cross promotions, etc. Those trailers that you saw on television and on the internet, that's all ad buys. $100 million is actually a pretty fair number. It could have been even more than that. So the rough cost there for this movie is $250 million. Well, when you put in that $49.3 million income versus the $250 million cost for Dungeons & Dragons, that means you still need over $200 million in net box office revenue to offset that cost if you are the studio. And over there on the left side, I kind of did some rough math. Let's say that the movie has legs of four times its opening week. And when I say legs, it's a multiple of how much is the final gross versus how much it opened in its first opening weekend. And four times its opening, that's really good for any movie. It's also not entirely common. So I think this would probably be a very optimistic look at the future of the film, especially given the competition. But let's say that audiences go crazy for this film, and it ends up with four times domestic legs, which would be a final domestic gross of about $148.8 million. Let's say it does the same thing internationally, that its final gross is about four times its international opening. That would be another $131.4 million. When you do all the math and everything, that equals a studio share of about $113.9 million. You add that to the $49.3 million the studio's already brought in from its opening weekend, and that nets you a total of $163.3 million, which off that $250 million cost means you are still short $86.6 million. And like I said, projecting legs of four times the opening weekend is very optimistic, not just for this movie, but for any movie. And this is the challenge when we're talking about Honor Among Thieves. Did it exceed box office expectations? Is it heartening that the movie opened as big as it did? Yes, it is very much. And I'm excited for that movie because it's a movie that I really, really liked. But the hard truth when you look at these numbers is that it is highly unlikely 
that it is going to turn a profit inside the theatrical window. This is more than likely, I would say probably 80 to 85% likely, going to be a money loser for Paramount at the box office. Now that's not to say they shouldn't have made the film because there is going to be a lot of ancillary revenue and there's gonna be a lot of other stuff that sold tied into this film and the goodwill brought over from this film could help to boost any subsequent sequels at the box office if they decide to do that. But this is the problem and it's why I always talk about budgeting smartly. When you have a movie that costs $150 million, even with a really established IP, that's still a risk because you never know what could happen at the movies. Then you add something like fantasy in Dungeons and Dragons, which does not have a great track record at the box office, not much of one, but what track record there is, is really not great. And you're taking a massive risk. The hurdle that you have to clear is enormous. And I don't think they're going to do that necessarily inside the theatrical window here. With studio accounting, etc., most movies never see a profit. If you're actually counting dollar for dollar, I'm sure somewhere down the line this movie is going to squeak out some money. But this is yet another example of a movie that could have been a runaway success if the budget had been kept under control just a little bit more. But then what do you give up for that? What is the trade-off there? Does the movie not look as good? Are the effects not quite as good? Does that affect the box office performance? I'm glad I don't have to make these decisions because it's tough. Because I liked this movie and I thought that it did look great and I don't want to see a lower budget version of it there's so much more to a movie's success than the box office that's what we talk about here on this show but Honor Among Thieves is a great example of a film where it's a good news bad news situation I'm happy for the film and I'm also disappointed at the same time and it's largely because it had a lot of work to do it made up a lot of ground but I don't think it could do quite enough to make a clear profit just from people buying tickets. Still, if you haven't seen Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves, I really do recommend it. I think the legs are going to be pretty strong as long as it doesn't completely collapse under the weight of Super Mario Brothers and it kind of rides out April until we get to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I love the box office. I love talking about money, but it's not the only part of going to the movies. And Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves is one of these very interesting box office case studies that I'll be keeping my eye on. I mentioned that sharper than expected drop for John Wick Chapter 4 as well that didn't keep it from moving up the charts as far as the franchise tracker. And let's look at how it stacks up against the other films in the John Wick franchise. It has now bypassed the domestic gross of John Wick Chapter 2 by quite a healthy margin. It's about $47.9 million domestically from bypassing John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum as the highest grossing John Wick film domestically. When you adjust those numbers for inflation, it is still the second highest grossing film in the series, but it's got about $78.2 million left to go to bypass John Wick Chapter 3, and both of those numbers are really dependent on how it holds up in weekends 3, 4, 5, etc. If it can sort of stop those big drop-offs and put up some good totals in Week 3, 4, and 5, by the way, this wasn't a disastrous total in Week 2, and it had a great opening last weekend, then I think we could see John Wick Chapter 4 as the highest grossing film in the franchise domestically. Looking at it worldwide it's about 82.1 million dollars behind john wick chapter 3 parabellum given the fact that you have an entire world to deal with i think it has an all right shot at doing that as well but i'm not quite as exuberant about its chances at being the highest grossing john wick film as i was last weekend because of that big drop in weekend two it was a little bit less internationally than it was domestically and again this is sort of a case of mixed blessings how many times have i sat here on the show talking about the fact that i wish that more movies were coming out 
well, now we have so many coming out that we see these big drops from week to week or movies are getting lost in the shuffle or things like Shazam! Fury of the Gods basically arrive DOA because audiences have made up their mind already. We are still readjusting the market to this post-2020, post-theater closure marketplace. And uh, this is a very interesting thing. We went from no movies to all the movies, and we're going to find that stabilizing point somewhere in between throughout the rest of 2023 and going into 2024. I mentioned Shazam! Fury of the Gods, by the way. The only really major motion it made on the DCEU franchise tracker is that it passed the domestic total of Wonder Woman 1984 and looks like it's going to pass the Suicide Squad and then park right there at number 10. It's still in the basement when you look at the DCEU by adjusted domestic gross and by worldwide gross, and it seems unlikely that it's going to get out of that basement. So really no turnaround in the news for Shazam! Fury of the Gods. We have a lot more to get to, but before we do, I want to thank one of the sponsors for this episode, Mint Mobile. One frustration nearly every mobile customer shares is trying to decipher what exactly you're paying for. I mean, have you seen a wireless contract lately? It is a labyrinth of hidden fees and upcharges, but the answer to these problems is here, and it's called Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month. No binding contracts or ridiculous promotions. No charges that you won't find out about until you get your bill. Mint Mobile is so simple, there's no need to try to crack an impossible code just to get what you paid for because every plan at Mint Mobile is straightforward, easy to understand, and delivers exactly what you pay for. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or a family, and at Mint, families start at just two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Plus, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same number along with all of your existing contacts. Get premium wireless from just 15 bucks a month with no unexpected surprises at mintmobile.com slash Merle. That's mintmobile.com slash Merle, M-U-R-R-E-L-L. Seriously, you're going to make your wallet very happy at mintmobile.com slash Merle. One movie, though, that looks to be producing some great box office headlines already is the Super Mario Brothers movie, which gets a jump on the weekend. It opens on Wednesday, not on Friday. So that'll be interesting when we look at that box office gross, because that three-day gross is going to be basically days three, four, and five of the release cycle. So I think it's actually going to be substantially lower than it would have been had it opened on Friday. But still, let's look at some of those records that Super Mario Brothers has in its sights. First of all, the top three-day opening for a video game adaptation. That record right now is held by Sonic the Hedgehog 2 at $72.1 million. If Mario can bank enough money to make $72.1 million from Friday through Sunday, then it can beat that record. The big question, of course, how much of that box office spending is going to be done on Wednesday and Thursday, the first two days of its theatrical run. Second on the list is Sonic the Hedgehog at $58 million, followed by Pokemon Detective Pikachu at $54.3 million, Lara Croft Tomb Raider at $47.7 million, and Uncharted at just over $44 million. Another thing that we're going to be looking at is Illumination, their three-day opening weekends. Where is Super Mario Bros. going to rank there? The highest opening film for Illumination was Minions, which opened to $115.7 million, and then Minions The Rise of Gru, which opened to $107 million in second place. The Secret Life of Pets opened to $104.3 million, and Despicable Me 2 was in a similar situation 
relation to the Super Mario Brothers movie. It opened on a Wednesday and thus only ranks as the fourth highest opening for Illumination over the three-day weekend with $84.2 million. Had it opened on a Friday, I think it easily would have had that number one spot. And then at number five is Despicable Me 3 with $72.4 million. So we'll see if the Super Mario Brothers movie can break onto that chart as well. Regardless, it looks like we could very well have one of the best debuts for a film this year, both internationally and domestically. It'll be a little tougher to parse those numbers because it does have that Wednesday opening, but I think that we are looking at a bona fide hit with the Super Mario Brothers movie as far as Weekend 1, and we'll see where we go from Weekend 2. People have been using the B word, meaning billion, when they talk about this movie. Is it going to reach those heights? I don't think it's out of the question, but we don't quite know yet. Let's take a look at the top per theater averages for this past weekend. And number one was Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves, which brought in $9,651 per theater at each of its 3,855 theaters. Playing in the exact same number of theaters, I wonder if that's a coincidence, was John Wick Chapter 4, which brought in $7,354 per theater in each of those 3,800 plus theaters. Nam June Bike, Moon is the oldest TV in one theater, stays on that per theater average chart with $6,623 in that one theater. His Only Son ranks fourth in 1,920 theaters with $2,865 per theater. And then playing in four theaters is Bernardo Bertolucci's The Conformist, which is being re-released in 4K, just over $2,100 per theater in each of those four theaters. Looking at movies in limited release, these are the movies that are playing in 1,000 theaters or fewer the Sundance winner 1001 tops this chart it was in 926 theaters and brought in 1.7 million dollars total if it does expand to over a thousand theaters in this next week then we will freeze its gross at the last day in which it played under 1,000 theaters Zach Braff's a good person in its second week moves down to number two on this chart with just over half a million dollars in revenue from 687 theaters that had a pretty big expansion in weekend two at number three is a movie called Malum in 249 theaters. It brought in $221,000 total. And uh, just one look at that poster and I said, nope, nope. No, thank you. The Lost King is at number four in 265 theaters at just over $160,000 total. And at number five, popping back up on this chart, is Ireland's The Quiet Girl, which was a nominee for Best International Feature at the Oscars, $86,000 in 129 theaters. These are the 10 highest grossing films in limited release for 2023, and these are all tickets sold this year, regardless of when the film was released. Patan remains at number one with $17.4 million, followed by a man called Auto during its limited release run. Women Talking is at number three, followed by The Wandering Earth 2 at number four, just over $5 million there. The Whale is at number five in its limited release run with $3.9 million, followed by the 2023 Oscar shorts Living at $2.9 million, Tujuti Main Makar at number eight with 2.5 million, Walter Viraya with an unverified 2.25 million at number nine, and 2023 Sphere at number 10 with 2.1 million. 
Looking at the domestic winter spring box office, which is basically all movies released in calendar year 2023, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania remains the top grossing 2023 film at $212 million, followed by Creed 3 at $148.5 million. John Wick Chapter 4 jumps up two spots to a total just over $123 million. Scream 6 stays at number 4. It'll probably soon pass $100 million, becoming the fourth 2023 release to pass that mark. Megan drops down to Two spots to number five. Cocaine Bear stays at number six. Shazam Fury of the Gods jumps up one spot to number seven. Jesus Revolution drops down one to number eight. 80 for Brady stays at number nine. And Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves is good enough in its opening weekend to be number 10 on this list, knocking M. Night Shyamalan's Knock at the Cabin off the chart entirely. When we look at all tickets sold in 2023, regardless of when the movie was released, Avatar The Way of Water remains the top draw for 2023 at $280.8 million. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is at number two. Creed 3 is at number three. Puss in Boots The Last Wish is at number four, but right behind is John Wick Chapter 4 at number five, about $6 million separating those two movies right now. Scream 6 stays at number six. Megan drops down two spots to number seven. A Man Called Otto stays at number eight cocaine bear stays at number nine and shazam fury of the gods enters the chart at number 10 dropping jesus revolution off the list shazam will probably be dropped off this list next weekend by the super mario brothers movie so it's going to be a very short-lived stay for fury of the gods by the way who had cocaine bear outgrossing shazam fury of the gods on their 2023 box office bingo card i wish i could lie and say that i did but i certainly did not Looking outside now of the domestic marketplace to international theaters, which is basically everywhere except for right here in the United States and Canada, and the top film internationally was not actually Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. It was the second weekend of John Wick Chapter 4, which brought in $35 million to Dungeons & Dragons $33 million. At number three was Suzume at $27.9 million. We're only about uh, a little bit over a week from the opening weekend of Suzume here in the domestic market, and it is rapidly approaching the top 10 overall highest grossing anime film list worldwide. I'll be bringing that list to you probably next week as Suzume continues to make great gains in China, great gains in South Korea, and then I think it's probably going to have a pretty healthy opening here in the domestic market. So a lot of box office still to come for that film. The Chinese film Hachiko is at number four. Hachiko is a remake of a 1987 Japanese film and Lasse Holstrom actually made an English language version of that film in 2009 starring Richard Gere. It was called Hachi, A Dog's Tale. It went straight to the Hallmark Channel here in the U.S. and then apparently it hit Netflix right around the holidays and people were talking about how depressing the movie was and it made them very sad. Uh, so maybe a whole lot of bummed out audiences in China as well because a version of that same story at number four on the international charts. And rounding out the top five is Shazam Fury of the Gods, bringing in $7.2 million from outside the domestic marketplace. But when we add those international numbers with the domestic numbers, we get our top five films of the weekend worldwide. And the domestic strength of Dungeons & Dragons makes it the top grossing movie in the world this past weekend, with the debut just over $70.2 million. John Wick Chapter 4 is at number two with $63.3 million. Suzume stays 
Blaze at number three with 27.9 million. Shazam Fury of the Gods brings in 11.8 million. And Hachiko is at number five with 8.9 million. And when we look at the highest grossing opening weekends worldwide for 2023, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania remains number one with $227.4 million. It looks like Super Mario Brothers is going to be challenging for that record this upcoming weekend. John Wick Chapter 4 is at number two with $137.8 million in its opening weekend, followed by Creed 3 at just over $100 million, then Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves at $70.2 million, and The Wandering Earth 2 at $69.3 million. When we look at the 2023 Worldwide Box Office, Full River Red remains number one with $673.5 million, followed by The Wandering Earth 2, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, Creed 3, John Wick Chapter 4 moves up four spots to number five with just over $245 million. That bumps Booney Bear's Guardian Code down one spot to number six, Megan moves down one spot to number seven, Scream 6 moves down to number eight, Hidden Blade moves down to number nine, and China's Deep Sea stays there at number 10. This is the part of the show where I like to take a look at a weekend in box office history, and this week we're going back to March 29th through the 31st, 1991, the 13th weekend of the year. I'm just going to give you a rundown of the top five, and let's see if you can figure out why I picked this particular weekend. At number one is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, the most exciting movie in the world to an eight-year-old like myself. I could not wait for this movie. A 34.9% drop in its second weekend, it brought in 13 million dollars at number two the silence of the lambs in its seventh week of release a drop of just 13.6 percent for a 5.7 million dollar total and at number three was dances with wolves in its 21st week of release a 44.2 percent increase that's because this was the weekend after the academy awards where dances with wolves won best picture it went back into a lot of theaters and a lot of people went back to see the movie 5.4 million dollars total there at number four is career opportunity a movie that was written by John Hughes but not directed by him with a total of just over $4 million. And at number five, New Jack City in its fourth week, a 16.4% drop and a total at just over $3.7 million. And looking at that top five, have you figured out why I selected this weekend? It's a very kind of arcane box office reason, but it's because two consecutive Best Picture winners were next to each other in the box office top five, which is a very, very rare occasion. Silence of the Lambs and Dances with Wolves were both in the top five together previously, but here they were right next to each other with Silence of the Lambs at number two and Dances with Wolves at number three. So Dances with Wolves was there with Best Picture Oscar in hand next to the movie that would win the Best Picture Oscar a year later. It's kind of a cool box office thing. This is why uh, nobody can ever really quite understand what I do uh, because I just love these kind of weird box office coincidences. Two Best Picture winners, both existing in the top five together. How many times has that happened? I could probably figure it out, but I just didn't have time today. Of course, anytime we look backwards into the past, I don't just like to look in the history books. I like to modernize things a little bit by adjusting for inflation. And when we hit that inflation button, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2's Secret of the Ooze brings in $28.8 million in week two. Science of the Lambs brings in $12.7 million, followed by Dances with Wolves, $11.9 million. God, that movie had been out for five months already, and it was still bringing in those kind of numbers. Career opportunities with $8.8 million there in fourth place and New Jack City with $8.2 million. There's so much more to get to, but before we do, I want to thank the other sponsor for this week, ExpressVPN. 
When you use the stall in a public bathroom, you always close the door behind you, right? Right? Well, you close that door because you don't want some rando watching you do your business, unless you do want them watching, in which case that is your business. Privacy is important, and that's why I use ExpressVPN, and I think you should too. You may think you're browsing privately, but even in incognito mode, your internet service provider can see every website you visit. ExpressVPN creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your devices and the internet, which means your online activity can't be seen by anyone, including your service provider. ExpressVPN is incredibly easy to use. All you have to do is open the app and push one button to get started, and it works on phones, laptops, and even routers so that anyone who shares your Wi-Fi can be protected. It's as easy as, well, closing the bathroom stall. I travel a lot, and this adds so much peace of mind to know that whether I'm browsing at home, at an airport, on a plane, or at a hotel, that my browsing data is safe and anonymous. Secure your online activity today by visiting expressvpn.com slash Merle. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Merle, M-U-R-R-E-L-L, and you can get an extra three months free at expressvpn.com slash Merle. So last week I mentioned that I was planning to split Charts with Dan and the streaming charts into two separate shows, and I am still going to do that. However, because of everything that's been going on this past week, I didn't quite feel like I had time to get all of those processes in place and make some new charts that I'd planned for the streaming show. So I'm going to delay that plan by just a little bit. Hopefully I'll have the two shows split up by next week. I just didn't want to rush something for tomorrow. Plus it's a very heavy review week. We've got uh, Super Mario Brothers and Air, which are two movies that I'm definitely going to review. And then people are just losing their minds. We're doing like live action remakes of Moana and redoing all the Harry Potter movies. And I was thinking about making videos about that. I don't know what the hell is going on out there. People are going crazy. Anyway, long story short, I'm keeping the streaming charts on the show for this week, but I am going to make that division very soon. But let's look at the iTunes chart to see what people are watching at home through various streaming services. And Avatar The Way of Water is at number one on the iTunes charts, available for purchase only. At number two is Creed 3, available for purchase and premium video on demand, which are those higher price rentals. At number three is Plane, which is now available for purchase and rental. A Man Called Otto's there at number four. The Whale is at number five. Cocaine Bear is at number six, available for purchase and premium video on demand. Missing, now available for rental, makes the chart at number seven. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish stays at number nine. Champions exits the box office top 10, but is now available for purchase and premium video on demand on the iTunes store. And John Wick Chapter 4, those pre-orders, still good enough for the number 10 spot. Let's take a look at the most watched programs on Netflix, and this is using what I call my global Merle metric. Basically, I look at the number of hours a program was watched, divide that by the runtime, and that gives me an estimated number of how many viewers could potentially have finished viewing that program. That's why I call it the PFV number. This is for March 20th through the 26th, and at number one is The Night Agent, which had a really strong debut, 168.7 million hours watched for a PFV of 20.75, meaning just a over 20 million Netflix users could potentially have finished viewing that series. The Night Agent is from Sean Ryan, who also created The Shield. Luther, The Fallen Sun, stays strong on the charts with a PFE of 11.44. The Magician's Elephant, with a PFE of 9.78, rises up to number three in its second weekend on the charts. At number four is the limited series Waco American Apocalypse, about David Koresh's cult in Waco, Texas. That's sort of capitalizing on the anniversary of the end of that standoff. 
In His Shadow is at number five, which is a French film about two brothers who are dealing with their father's death. At number six is the Netflix original movie Noise. At number seven, the Netflix original series Shadow and Bone season two with a PFE of 6.79. At number eight is the only non-Netflix project here. It's a 2019 kind of obscure direct-to-video movie called I See You. And this is just what Netflix tends to do. You surface these obscure movies years later when they're added to the service. At number nine is Chornikal Kebaga. I'm, I'm sure I butchered that. It is a Netflix original from India, kind of an in-flight action movie. So Netflix bringing you something from the very popular Indian film market. And then at number 10 is the Netflix original movie, Still Time, with a PFE of 5.68. Looking at the most watched 2023 Netflix programs for the calendar year to date, You People's at number one, but Luther the Fallen Sun looks like it is going to eclipse that film at number one in the very near future. You People has a PFE of 76.61 with Luther the Fallen Sun so close behind with a PFE of 74.15. Your Place or Mine drops down one spot to number three. Jenny and Georgia season two and Wednesday season one stay at numbers four and five. We Have a Ghost is at number six followed by the pale blue eye at number seven you season four climbs up one spot to number eight glass onion drops one spot to number nine and outer bank season three is at number 10 on the chart with a pfe of 38.97 I mentioned last week that I did not have Nielsen numbers because they just didn't come out. Well, this week I have two weeks worth of them because they put out not just last week's, but also this week's in time for me to do this show. And instead of doing a whole long involved chart for each week individually, I just decided to combine them. So these are the Nielsen numbers for essentially February 20th through March 5th. 2023. Now this is US only. It doesn't measure all devices or all streaming services, although most of them are now submitting data through Nielsen. But it's just a good way to see how all of these different movies and programs, etc., are stacking up against all of these different streaming services. And looking at this chart, which again spans two weeks, the top 10 streaming movies are headlined by We Have a Ghost with a total hours watch number over 28 million. Black Panther Wakanda Forever is still a big draw on streaming, 10.4 million hours watched just edging out minions the rise of Gru over on netflix with 10.3 million hours watched the woman king is at number four megan enters the chart over on peacock with 9 million hours watched ripd on netflix is at number six with 8.2 million hours watched why i don't know moana on disney plus remains a very popular movie maybe that's why they're doing a live action remake like less than 10 years after it came out i, I just don't get it just over 8 million hours watched two guns on netflix is at number eight this is where I Leave You enters the chart at number nine with 6.1 million hours watched and The Strays on Netflix enters the chart at number 10, basically tied with This Is Where I Leave You with 6.1 million hours watched. Here are the top 10 most watched streaming shows for those two weeks, February 20th through March 5th. At number one easily is Outer Banks on Netflix, 89.4 million hours watched over those two weeks. So a lot of people catching up with that third season and probably catching up with the other two seasons. Murdaugh Murders also, keep in mind this is about a month ago when that trial was really coming to a head, 40.9 million hours watched on Netflix. So a lot of true crime fans out there binging that one. The Last of Us on HBO Max as it was nearing the end of its run, season one run, I should say, 36.6 million hours watched. Although keep in mind that only counts people that are watching on HBO Max. That does not count cable viewers, which would increase those numbers substantially. Coco Melon on Netflix is at number four. I think I read there's another season 
season of Cocoa Melon coming out soon. So it's great to know that those numbers are really going to get boosted because more people should really be watching Cocoa Melon. NCIS is at number five, available on both Netflix and Paramount Plus with 27.2 million hours watched, followed by Perfect Match on Netflix at number six, Bluey on Disney Plus at number seven, New Amsterdam on both Netflix and Peacock at number eight, South Park on HBO Max is at number 9 with 23.1 million hours watched, and Grey's Anatomy on Netflix rounds out the top 10 with 21.3 million hours watched. And when you look at the top 20 streaming shows on the Nielsen charts, as far as watch time per available episode, Murdaugh Murders actually comes on top rather easily. 13.6 million hours watched per episode. It was just a three-episode-long limited series. At number two is Chris Rock's Selective Outrage. It was a comedy special that's counted as one episode of a show. 6.97 million hours watched per episode because there basically is just one episode. The Last of Us is at number three with 4.58 million hours watched per episode, followed by Outer Banks at number four, Perfect Match at number five, Coco Melon at number six with 1.3 million hours watched per episode. The Yellowstone spinoff 1923 is at number seven with 1.17 million hours watched per episode, followed by The Mandalorian returning for season three with just over 800,000 hours watched per episode. Physical 100 from Netflix is at number nine with just under 800,000 hours watched per episode. And then at number 10, Ryan Johnson's Poker Face on Peacock as it wraps up its run with 783,000 hours watched per episode. And that wraps us up on Charts with Dan for today. We have a very busy entertainment week. As I mentioned, the Super Mario Brothers movie opens on Wednesday, getting a jump on Easter weekend here and around the world. Air also opens on Wednesday in wide release. This is a movie that would have gone to streaming, but MGM and Amazon are looking to actually put movies in theaters again. This has Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, the story of the Air Jordan, and courting Michael Jordan to come and be a spokesperson over at Nike. I can't wait to watch Watch this movie. You're going to have reviews of both of those films on the channel later this week. Also on Wednesday is the premiere of Journey to the Center of the Earth, a Disney Plus original series adapting the classic story. Schmigadoon Season 2 is on Apple TV+. Plus. I'm sure you probably haven't seen it and you probably haven't heard of it, but it looks kind of cool and it's coming back for a Season 2. On Thursday, Steven Yeun and Ali Wong star in a Netflix original series called Beef, which looks really interesting. Also on Thursday, do you like Grease? Did you ever wonder what happened before you met all of the characters that you really like? Well, Grease Rise of the Pink Ladies is hitting Paramount+. Plus. It is a Grease prequel series. Yeah, okay, sure. At least you're not remaking the original, I guess. Anyway, that premieres on Thursday. Then on Friday... Paint, which stars Owen Wilson as a Bob Ross-type painter at a public access station. Sign me up. I'm going to see that movie as well. That opens in many theaters around the country. Also opening on Friday in limited release is Showing Up, the latest film from Kelly Reichert, who did First Cow, a very uh, heavily award-winning and acclaimed film. That movie stars Michelle Williams. How to Blow Up a Pipeline, which has generated a lot of buzz on the screening circuit, opens on Friday in limited release. On Amazon Prime is the film on a Wing and a Prayer starring Dennis Quaid from the director of The King's Daughter. What a combination. That streams on Amazon on Friday. And also on Friday is the film Chupa streaming on Netflix. The movie stars Damien Bashir and Christian Slater and is directed by Jonas Quaran, son of Afonso Quaran, who also, you may have heard, directs movies.
And that wraps us up here on Charts with Dan. Thank you for the final time to my partner here on the show, Carbon Health, and thank you to my sponsors, ExpressVPN and Mint Mobile. Also, please do check out the description below for those links about Arkansas tornado relief. But most of all, I want to thank you for spending part of your day here with me. I will be back with more movie news, reviews, box office next week to see what Super Mario Brothers does, and even more. Until then, stay safe, and I'll see you next time. Bye.